Our scripture reading today comes from John chapter 6. I'm going to read a few little excerpts. I think in your packet it's going to focus on 41 to 51. I'm going to give you a few verses earlier also to help uh, set the context for us this morning. The crowd said to Jesus, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are, are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then the Judeans began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for this life of the world is my flesh, the word of the Lord. We have been working through a series, Finding God in the Wilderness. So our Lenten season, uh, it's been wandering with God through the wilderness and primarily through the people of, of Israel wandering from Egypt towards the promised land. We've had some other detours along the way of Elijah trying to to run from everybody into the wilderness thinking he's alone. We've had goats who've taken on sins and gone out into the wilderness, hopefully not to bring that sin back into cycles of violence anymore. Uh, but primarily we've been walking with uh, a people who cried out to God, Lord, save me, take me from captivity. I want freedom. Give me a new land where I can live faithfully to you. And it has not gone the way that they've expected. Uh, they have have had an unusual journey. And it started from the beginning, unusually. Moses, if you remember back, all the way back to Ash Wednesday, if you were with us then, uh, Moses asks the Pharaoh, can you just give us a three days journey? We want to go worship God in the wilderness. And that's a strange place to go, but let's, we want to go in the middle of nothing. Give us a three day journey. By the time that you realize we're gone, of course, we didn't just want to go three days. Um, but maybe if I can just commit to three days, maybe things will change. But it didn't take the people very long to be sick of the wilderness. And so they grumbled, said, I would rather be back in slavery than stuck here in the wilderness with nothing to eat. And so, as we heard in this text today, we, we have little echoes about the manna in the wilderness of, of God providing miraculously for food. 
And yet when they got all the way through the journey and they got to the other side of the river and the promised land's right in front of them and they're finally about to make it, last week we talked about their hesitation. And they said, you know, the people over there look kind of strong, God. Maybe we shouldn't actually go there. And so God gave them the consequences. They didn't want to go. And God said, fine, turn around, go all the way back to square one. Go back to the Red Sea. Your kids are going to get the promised land, but you're not going to get to enjoy it. And so it's that story that Jesus is calling attention to with crowds. And you see, in John 6, there's this story that Jesus, like it's the only, uh, well, Easter Sunday, but it's the only miracle other than Easter Sunday that is in all four Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000, of the people of Israel being in the wilderness, so to speak, and the bread from heaven coming down, and, and the people having their fill and there being leftovers. And John's version of that story is the people ate their fill, and they're really excited about it, and they think, let's make this guy king. And so they want to make him king, and that seems like well, we've done it. People have received Jesus. They believe they want him to be king. The story should be over. But Jesus escapes from their midst. He disappears amidst them, and they can't find him. And then he does the sea crossing story, and he walks on the water, and he goes to the other side of Galilee. And the people are like, wait, where did Jesus go? And so they go running to Jesus, say, hey, Jesus, you know, we want to believe in you, do you have any signs you could give us? I have an idea. You know, Moses gave us manna from heaven. Do you think you could do another sign? Because it wasn't enough of like, I just keep wanting the miraculous food. And so Jesus goes into correction mode in the story. And what's interesting with the Gospel of John is John spends the whole Gospel doing kind of the Easter, like that Holy Week so that when you get to Holy Week, there's not really anything left to do. Uh, and so there's not really any trial scenes in the same kind of extended way that you get in the other Gospels because he's been on trial the whole story. And, and so you get these disputes with the religious leaders throughout John because he keeps going down to Jerusalem and coming back. And so what we get is this kind of religious back and forth about who is Jesus and whether we can accept him or not or push him away or run away. And so the people in the story uh, typify something that I don't think is that unusual for us. The people in the story just want God to fix their problems. Their problem was just, I'm hungry. All right, that's the immediate one. Well, I don't have any food around here. Uh, God, God, fix my problem, please. And you can see this all throughout Scripture a whole lot of times. God, hey, just please fix my problems. And so they want the food. Israel in the story in Exodus, they want their freedom. They want a place, a land where they can just live faithfully. You know, they want their own property. They want their own produce. They don't want to be working for somebody else. On Palm Sunday, people are gathered together because they're excited to go celebrate Passover. But the frenzy about celebrating Jesus and saying, Hosanna, save us, is not about personal piety of any sort. It's, can you please just kick Rome out of here? We are so sick of them. They keep annoying us. You know, they put up a bunch of images of Caesar and we told Pontius Pilate how much we hate that. 
And he put it up overnight because he knew we were going to hate that. God, God, just kick the Romans out, please. I'm sick of it. And we all just go to God. God, I just have plenty of problems. You think about how often people turn to faith is just because of the problems, right? And our lists go on and on. It might be like a, a positive thing you're longing for. Of, hey, God, I, there's this job that I want. There's this promotion I want. If I could just have that thing, Lord, my life would be changed. I, I'd be so excited. Please, Lord, I want that thing. Uh, but for some of us, maybe it's a health problem for ourselves or for somebody else of just, Lord, if you would just heal this person, the world would be better and it would be back to normal. Lord, if you would just fix that relationship, I just, I miss that person or why can't they get along or, you know, I just fix this relationship. Or maybe you've got some house repairs, some car repairs, you know, Lord, please just don't make the bill be too much. <laughs> just, just a good company that doesn't overcharge. Can that be my prayer request today? Lord, can you just give me some better weather? You know, Easter's coming up. It might be nice if we could go outside. Lord, just please fix the problems all around me. And so God gets our fix-it lists. You know, those chores that you got to work on. We bring all of those chores and just lay them down at God. It's like, God, please just fix my problems. So we, hey, God, save us from all of our problems. And for us, the challenge is, is that that doesn't always go as expected. Sometimes you pray for something and it does happen and you're like, wonderful, and then you forget about it. Tend to just move on, go on to the next thing. On, all right, next thing on the list, God. Other times, you pray and God does something unexpected. And so you've got your eyes set on one thing and God does something different. And that's where the tension starts to happen as you wrestle with, wait, God, why is this the answer? And so the people in the wilderness say, God, we're hungry. I don't think anybody out there said, God, I want manna. Manna is weird. If you go look up the Exodus chapters about manna, um, it talks about a fine flake-like thing that's like a frost on the ground. If you left it out overnight, there's worms on it. If you left it in the sun too long, it melted. And uh, it was really tiny. It says it was like a coriander seed, about three to five millimeters. It was white. It tasted like wafers made with honey. It was sweet. It was weird. And the text literally, it, the word for it is also the thing that just says, what is this? So, hey, if you want to get a, like, I think like the candy bar, whatchamacallit. It's, it's almost like that. Like, what is this, God? This is my meal? And there's some conjecture with commentators about like what regionally this kind of thing could have been um, because there are some plant lice in the area. I know we're off to a real fun start with that, right? Plant lice that eat these tamarack trees and they like the tree sap and they, let's say, excrete some surplus onto the twigs, form little white globs that get crystallized in the sun because all of that carbs in that tree sap become sugary and sweet. And, and so there's some conjecture. Maybe this is something you might not think is pleasant to eat. But they're saying, God, we're hungry, and yet manna is the answer. God, this isn't what I was expecting. And so 
we uh, also get into that same place. God, please answer my prayers. And yet God gives us manna. That's what is this? And so Jesus tells them, you want bread from heaven. Here I am. What on earth are you talking about, Jesus? Like, I'm just hungry. And you're talking about yourself being the bread from heaven. And, And, you know, I know Joseph and Mary. What on earth are you talking about you're from heaven? And they, they start questioning him, what on earth is this guy? Who is Jesus to say, I'm the bread from heaven? And what on earth does that mean? And how on earth does that help me fix my problem? Because I'm hungry. And you're giving me a lesson. What does this do? And so Jesus offers himself as the bread of life. And the Gospel of John loves this imagery. It's something you don't see, at least as obviously, in other Gospels. The Gospel of John, when you read the passion story, the crucifixion story, it makes Jesus like the Lamb of God. John uses that phrase. And uh, the timing of the crucifixion is different in John than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Why? Because it's not Passover day that he's crucified. He's, cruci- he's crucified the day that you're supposed to kill the Passover lamb and eat the lamb. And there's all these little practices about you're not supposed to break the bones of the lamb. And in John, you get the story about the, the spear. Of like he's already dead, and they 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 spear him, but he doesn't get any bones broken, blood and water gush out. But Jesus is portrayed as this bread of life, this lamb of God, this food, where he's like, It's my flesh. And the people are like, What on earth do I do with that? I was just hungry, God. And so when we pray and something unexpected happens from God, we tend to have certain kinds of responses. Maybe you're like the people in the wilderness, the people in the crowds there, and you'll just grumble. Like, if I'm going to take this, I'm going to be mad about it. Fine, God. I'll take this job. I'll take this car. Or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> right? That we just, I'm not happy about it, God. I'm going to grumble. But the grumbling usually doesn't stop there because it's not a great finish point. <laughs> grumbling usually works its way into something different. And so some people might grumble and then leave. And that's the, what the Israelites did as they waited across the Jordan River. They had to go away and turn back going to the Red Sea. So sometime when God doesn't do what you expect, you just disappear. You just wander off. Say, this is what I signed up for. I don't want anything to do with it. And, and I walk away. And that's the temptation of the wilderness. Maybe I just give up, turn around. The other temptation, the crowds in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, when they're, they're saying, hey, hey, save us, we want to get rid of Rome, and then you're different than what we expected. Wait, why did you go clear out the temple? Why didn't you go clear out Pontius Pilate's house? And so he's like, what are you doing here? And so you grumble, and eventually, instead of leaving, you decide to make the other person leave by crucifying them. I'll just get rid of the problem. And so we don't like what, what's given as the results. We, we start harming, we start attacking, we start uh, trying to overcome something that, that was meant to help us. And so you could wander away, you could uh, reach out and attack, you can crucify. The problem is, though, is, is God was trying to be there with them in both of those scenarios. God was trying to answer their prayers. The problem was their prayers, they didn't have the right eyes to see. They'd, they didn't have the eyes to see what's really going on here. What, what's God doing? What's God doing in me? 
Because the challenge is, is we want God to fix things or fix others, but we don't as easily say, God, fix me. When the people on Palm Sunday shout, Hosanna, save us. Again, save us from Rome. Don't, don't change me, though. That's a little too far. I don't know if I want to change. Just change the people around me. But what is it to say, God, I want you to come inside of me and change me from the inside out. And that's the beauty of the food imagery is, you know, the, the phrase, you know, you are what you eat, that what goes inside of you has an effect on you. For all of you who need your coffee in the morning, right, of, of I'm not me if I haven't had that cup of coffee. Uh, maybe you need that caffeine jolt. Maybe it's a certain kind of food that gets you going. But like, there's something about what goes inside of us that changes our whole being. And Jesus is saying, I don't want to be a, an easy fix externally. I want to change you from the inside out. And so instead of asking God to fix everything else, the, the invitation was, maybe I need to be transformed and be a part of the changing of everything instead of just thinking it's about everybody else around me. And so if you want God to change your external situation, you need to invite God to change your internal foundation. Because if you don't internally change, then it doesn't matter about the circumstances around you. The problems will just run with you. If your struggle is with patience, it doesn't matter about the external things. You're like, yeah, you could try to mitigate some things, but the moment you have something that frustrates you, that impatience will come back out. If you struggle to love and you find yourself uh, invited into hate, into anger, then yeah, the external things might make things a little bit easier for you, but at some point, that anger is going to come back out. And so we have to go into the internal foundation and say, God, come inside of me, change me from the inside out. Lord, save me, save us. One of my favorite preachers and uh, writers is Barbara Brown Taylor. She's a, a priest in Georgia. I went to seminary in Atlanta. I had a lot of people who loved reading her work. She said this, if your manna has to drop straight out of heaven, looking like a perfect loaf of butter crust bread, then chances are you're going to go hungry a lot. When you don't get the miracle you are praying for, you're going to think that God is ignoring you or pushing you or worse yet, God's not there. Meanwhile, you're going to miss a lot of other things God is doing for you because they are too ordinary, like bug juice. We need the eyes to see. And that's what Jesus is calling out and saying, you know, you said Moses gave you that bread. Don't forget who gave you the bread. God gave you this manna from, from nothing, from the wilderness. Can you see what God is doing here? But we get so distracted, we get so fixated on our problems that it, it causes us to close in. And so maybe God has actually been answering some prayers in your life, but not in the ways that you were ever expecting them. So you've been running away from it, you've been hiding from it, you've been pushing it out. And maybe you just need to say yes. God saved me. I, I wasn't looking in the right place for you. Maybe something altogether ordinary. You're like, I mean, I've been feeling alone and realizing, you know, somebody did invite me to something. Maybe I should go build that relationship. 
in an unexpected place. How do we have eyes to see the bread from heaven? So we can see that miracle at work. So the question is, is why are we all here? Why have we shown up to God? Why are we showing up to Jesus, whether it's the crowds in Jerusalem or us now? The challenge of this text, John 6 doesn't end on a happy note, if you know John 6. John 6 ends with a bunch of his disciples just leaving and the crowds dispersing. They're like, I, that's not really what I'm here for, Jesus. I just wanted the real regular bread. Thank you. I don't want any of this bread of heaven stuff that you're talking about. Your flesh, what on earth is happening? And so Jesus turns to his disciples and like, hey, are you going to leave too? Because the crowds eventually realize, I don't know if I want to be saved, truly. I, I, I think I just want God to fix my problems. And Peter just says something of like, well, where on earth, where would we turn to? You have words of life. Where would we go? And so this text invites us. Do you want to be a crowd who yells out, Hosanna, God save me, God save us? Because it's dangerous. It changes you. Do you want to actually mean it? Do you actually want God to come in and do something in your life? For some people, it's too much. No, not right now. Not in this way. But can we actually shout, Hosanna, God save us? And so maybe today you might find yourself in different parts of the story. Maybe uh, you have been like one of those disciples who couldn't stick around. You said, God, I really don't want that kind of change in my life. And so you've been distant, you've ran away, you've you thought, maybe if I don't pray, maybe God won't notice me or something. Maybe God will forget about me, leave me alone. And maybe today is a time to turn that around and say, God, I'm here Whatever you need to do in me, around me, I'm here for it. Maybe you're like the crowds who, who found yourself crying for help, and you you've, can admit to yourself, I was crying out for something that was a little bit more self-interested, maybe, than, than I should have been. Maybe I just needed to open up my heart a little bit more and say, God, save me in ways that I wasn't even expecting. Lord, I, I, I just need to be saved. Please hear me. Maybe you're a Peter today where you're like, you know, I don't know if I'm in the place where I want change in my life. Maybe I'm not in the place where I want God to save me, but I don't know any other way to do this life. And so I'm still along on this journey. I'm still showing up. But God, please like turn my heart. Help me trust a little bit more. Help me go full in a little bit more. But for right now, at least I'm just going to stick around because... There's nowhere else to go. Maybe we can be a, a people who make the decision, each of us individually, say, I want to show up. I'm going to bring the palm branches. I'm going to say, God, save us. God, save me. Not because I just want to be special, but the only way that God can save us is when God works through each of us. And God changes hearts, converts us more into his will, his kingdom, and there's, so, there's just nothing more that we can hope for today than us crying out Hosanna and not crying it out, wanting the fixing. Just God, fix us the next problem. But God, Hosanna, save me.
and what a beauty it is to be in a crowd of people who've decided to do that themselves, to be around other people who are saying, I'm taking the dangerous, courageous step out and say, God, change me today. Let me, let me walk out of here a different person today. And so that's our invitation. If, if you just close your eyes and, and bow your heads. Lord, I just ask that for the people in the space, for the people who are worshiping with us, that you might move in our hearts, that you might move in our spirits, that you might move us from the inside out, that we would leave this moment, this place different, and that we would long to be changed, to be more like you, to be more like your son. Lord, we ask that you would just make our heart melt for what you love, for what you call us to. Lord, let us just be full-hearted, committed. And as we are here today, Lord, I ask that you would just help move our spirits. Lord, I, I ask that if there's somebody in here who's, who's just thinking, God, save me today. I, I need to be different. I need to be changed. I need to be more like your son. I need to be more loving, more patient, more kind. If that's our cry, Lord, I ask that you would just help us to say Hosanna. Maybe that's our prayer today. If you're here and you, you just want to cling to God and you want God to change you, just say Hosanna to God. Lord, let us be a people who look for you, your manna, where we don't expect it. Let us cling to you. You're the only one who can change us, who can bring life from heaven. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.